Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Beyond Coincidence. My name's Taylor. I'll be your host, your guide on this journey. As always, joined by my co-host on the West Coast, Chris. Grateful to come together. Today's a very special day for us here at Beyond Coincidence. We're really beyond blessed and grateful to be welcoming a special guest, a spiritual healer in her own right, really a true angel, Juwan Shakti. Grateful to really join forces to share and amplify our collective message of love through global healing. So I know it took a lot of coordination to schedule this call. And again, thank you for your time. We are so grateful for you. So you're over in Bali. I had to actually pull up the map, pull up Google Maps and make sure I knew exactly where that was. I know it's in Indonesia and obviously you're on Australian time zone. I didn't realize that any two locations on the globe could be more than 12 hours apart. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's just a concept that uh, blew my mind. 15 hour time difference between Cali time and Bali time. So how's life in your world going right now? Oh, it's fantastic. I'm technically in the future, aren't I? Sunday morning here and nice and fresh. So I'll let you know what's happening over here in the future. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Well, you know, hopefully this is the first of many conversations to have amongst the three of us and you know i know that again here at beyond coincidence we are truly a platform for all types of healers i know that your focus is really honestly you wear a lot of hats from what i see right so anywhere from you know kundalini to i've heard that you have been a makeup artist uh, international model i mean you're beautiful of course but i want to really address the interconnectedness between external aesthetics, external beauty, let's say the ego, and internal healing and spiritual health and wellness. I really want to address the holistic approach to improving quality of life, if nothing else, right? I'd like to say, let's collectively elevate our conscious state of being but if nothing else if we can help one person through this podcast help one person a day that's a job well done kundalini i think a lot of our listeners would be like what is that you know i know that there's going to be a lot of interconnectedness and overlap as it relates to kundalini versus you know reiki for example and the seven chakras alignment activation so I don't know, just kind of dive in and tell us a little bit about Kundalini, how you got into that practice. Well, Kundalini yoga is known as the yoga of awareness because it's the quickest way that we can sort of reach that state of awareness because we work with a dormant energy that rests at the bottom of the spine. And this dormant energy is within everybody. It's our creative energy. It's that sexual energy. It's where we have those ideas and it's, it's things that make us feel alive and give us our drive. And so we try to raise that energy and bring it up to the pineal gland and really have it sort of come out and open our awareness into the cosmos and have that universal awareness. So it's the personal awareness and then it can be brought up to the universal awareness. And I've originally heard about Kundalini Yoga through a healer that I was working with back in Perth 
in 2011 and he mentioned to me doing uh, kundalini yoga and I said you know I've been to a couple of yoga classes I'm not really interested in yoga I was more of a girl that liked to run I was like at the gym I was doing pilates and I felt that you know yoga in my mind was another way of exercising I didn't have the knowledge of actually how deep you can go with yoga as a spiritual practice and a couple of years later um, a couple of years later I met a girl and she mentioned kundalini yoga to me and I said that's the second time I've heard this I think I'll come along to a class and yeah it was completely different to the other yoga that the other yogas that I had ever tried before I remember it invoked a lot of emotions and back then I wasn't aware that it was the yoga that was doing that. I just remember thinking, oh, I didn't like that and I'm angry and I'm feeling this certain way about it. You know, it's because Kundalini Yoga is so powerful that people generally have extremely strong reactions to it. So if you're in that realm where you're not ready to explore that side of yourself people can be really turned off i've actually seen people stand up and walk out of kundalini yoga classes and it has nothing to do with the teacher nothing to do with the practice itself but it's got everything to do with where that person is in relationship to themselves and whether they're ready to face what kundalini yoga is going to bring up within them so it's so powerful that's intense. That's intense. And it sounds like a whole nother level. I mean, you know, I know a few different forms of yoga, like Bikram. I used to do Bikram yoga back in the day. What are some other, you know, comparatives, uh, comparables that we could discuss and compare the differences between Kundalini versus just other traditional, maybe um, more surface level yogas? And, you know, you made a great point where you know, you thought that yoga was just another form or another physical practice to improve the physical body. But it sounds like Kundalini is really that next level where I like to say mind, body, soul, brain, heart, spirit, alignment, what we call the ABCs here at Beyond Coincidence, align, balance, and center. Um, so I'm it's highly, highly fascinating. You know, I'm definitely interested in learning more about it. Um, for our listeners who may not have any idea about, let's say, the seven chakras, right? Could you give us kind of a chakra 101 lesson? Just quickly, yes. Yeah, so we sort of start at the base, which is the root chakra, and there is a Sanskrit name for all of the chakras. They're very difficult to pronounce so I'll just go with the English versions and the root chakra is grounding and then we move up to the sacral chakra and that's where the sexual energy the creative energy is we've got the solar plexus which is about self-esteem and your self-awareness you've got your heart chakra which is the mid chakra between the bottom the bottom three and the top three and obviously the heart's related to you know self-love and love for others and then the throat chakra, and that's related to obviously speaking your truth. And then you have the uh, third eye, and this is the, uh, the seat of your awareness. And we generally in Kundalini yoga, keep our eyes closed. And a lot of the time we practice this yoga 
with our eyes focused here because it really is about going within. It's about knowing the teacher within. And then you've got the crown chakra, which is where all that universal energy comes from at the top there. So yes, that's the seven chakras. And you do work with them in Kundalini yoga. So you to, to actually every yoga is has got its place and every yoga essentially works with kundalini yoga it's it all comes from pantajali's originally the the man that discovered yoga you know thousands of years ago but kundalini yoga is the quickest way to raise your kundalini to get that universal awareness which is essentially what we're trying to do on that spiritual path so sure sure and you mentioned that it's so intense or at times addresses or activates different emotions that people are uncomfortable with, right? And generally speaking, the healing process is uncomfortable, right? You got to get out of your comfort zone. You have to go inward and reflect and address different aspects of your life in all areas, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit differently. So it's, again, it sounds highly fascinating to me. It sounds super intense, right? That some people are so uncomfortable, not only with Kundalini, but with opening up and going inward, so uncomfortable with themselves, right? You know, the mind, the soul, the spirit can only comprehend, right? Can only absorb what it is prepared to comprehend. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I like to say that we are all a mirror reflection of one another. I love the mm -hmm. phrase that you keep using, universal awareness, universal consciousness, collective consciousness. And that's really one of our common denominator themes throughout Beyond Coincidence. Again, it's not about the ego, it's about community. And where we find ourselves today in 2020 with so much division, I like to say chaos wildfire out there. So many people on both sides of the equation are obsessed with identifying differences, right? Whether it be in a hostile manner or whether it be other spiritual leaders trying to say, let's celebrate our differences. And I can respect that, you know, if there's a pure intention and positive motive. However, why waste time dividing based upon preconceived notions, outdated definition labels that simply, again, divide, categorize, and identify how we are all separate mm -hmm. when we are all truly interconnected as one. So my point is, why would we sit around waste time identifying differences when energy spent would be much more productive for the greater good if we can celebrate our similarities and how we are all one? I love how you have personally exposed yourself, you know, whether it be diving in head first and really studying or dabbling in different areas of healing, right? Whether it be sound healing, different styles of meditation, as you had mentioned, different styles of yoga practice. Um, so I just, I love that you were so well-rounded and 
you know, you mentioned uh, what mantras and different, you know, I don't know, chants. I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what really what works for you? We're all different at the end of the day. So we like to share kind of basic best practices that our listeners can, you know, implement in their daily lives. So, yeah, and I, I really resonate with everything you said about us all coming from one. And that's really what you, what Kundalini Yoga is all about. It's about realizing that we all come from one universal consciousness. You know, we all came from source and then we came here in individual bodies to have a human experience. But we're all interconnected energetically. And so everything about the division and putting us in different categories that all comes from the ego, if we can sit in the seat of the witness which is another thing that you try to do in kundalini yoga because when you can witness yourself and it's almost like witness the ego is not me witness that i am not this emotion i am having this emotion like i am not depressed i'm feeling depressed which means energy is just emotion is energy in motion and energy can be moved and so if you're feeling angry, sad, depressed, you know, anxious or scared, you can move that energy through Kundalini yoga and meditation. Or there's other modalities of mo moving this energy as well, sometimes just doing ecstatic dance. But we do work a lot with learning how to move this energy through pranayama, which is breathing, through mantra, Mantra is the sound current, which is extremely powerful. It's the vibration that the sound sends out to the universe. When you chant mantra from your own voice, that is what you're putting out to the universe. And I love listening to mantras. I listen to them nearly every day. And it's because I want the vibration to permeate everything around me. And we all have an electromagnetic field. Some people call it an aura. And this really builds the electromagnetic field. Doing particular poses in Kundalini Yoga helps strengthen that field. And this is what we want because sometimes we can be susceptible to other energies coming in. If we have been listening to a friend, it's important to obviously hold space, uh, but also it's important for us not to feel um, weighed down by what's going on around us. So it's an Im important to protect ourselves and protect our energy field. And we can do this with yoga and meditation. And meditation, especially ones with mantra, is the whole idea of it is because we have our subconscious gunk and it sits in the back of our mind. And through meditation, we clear it out it's like cleaning your house you need to clean your house to get rid of all the gunk you meditate to get rid of all your subconscious gunk and if you don't if you don't get rid of it then you'll be driven by that subconsciously and you'll get triggered and things will happen and you will act from your subconscious with all that house cleaning that needs to be done so all of the garbage that's still in the back Will, will come up in those moments when you need to be able to be one-pointed focused. You need to respond, not react. And that's why so many people find it hard to control their emotions because they're not taking that time to do their house cleaning each day and uh, clear their subconscious minds. 
So I just find that for me, Kundalini yoga has been pivotal in a, a in in my life. It's it's a daily practice. It's not something that you would just do as a one off. You would do it as a continual practice. It's dedication to yourself. It's dedication to improving and it's dedication to raising the global consciousness which resonates so deeply with me love, love everything you just said you know there are so many different styles of meditation let alone types of yoga practice now kundalini uh, i know bikram yoga it's 26 and 2 right 26 poses two breathing exercises at you know beginning and at the end same class every single time i think it's 90 minutes is Kundalini structured that way or is it a little more fluid? Um, is every teacher a little bit different or is it a set time frame? Is it a set duration, a set number of poses or do you guys change it up? So Kundalini yoga is different in the sense that there was over 7,000 different Kriyas which were brought to the West originally in 1969 from the yogi that did bring them to the West. So we have we do have a different, you could have a different class for 7,000 days. And that's why probably more, I'm just rounding off this number. And that's why I love Kundalini yoga because it's always expect the unexpected. There was just so much information that was brought forward that even now after practicing for five years, I will go to my teachers here in Bali and I, was, and I think, wow, I've never done this class before wow i've never done this meditation before and a kriya is essentially um the set of postures which would be called an asana in other yogas and i can't comment too much on other yogas because i'm not overly familiar with them i've done a couple of vinyasa classes which is beautiful for the flow and you know like i said every yoga does have its place but kundalini yoga has its structure in the in the sense of we always tune in with the Adi Mantra, which is a chant. And that is so important in Kundalini Yoga because it connects us to the past generations of yoga teachers and the, and the sages and all of the spiritual teachers. And then it connects us to the teacher within. So when we do that chant, that's about connecting up there and connecting in here. So we start with that and then you would do the Kriya, the physical postures, and then you would either have a Shavasana, you know, relaxation, and then a meditation, and then you finish off with a, there's a little sort of, well, you would call it a little song or a prayer, and that's generally this, the way each Kundalini Yoga class works. So, so most classes go for an hour, some can go for an hour and a half, there are Kriyas that were given in full sets and some of them are quite long. And as Kundalini yoga teachers, you're, uh, you're able to break down the class, but only if you take the breakdown evenly. So if, if a particular posture is done for five minutes and then the next posture is done for three minutes, then you can, if you want to halve the Kriya, you have to halve every single posture. You can't just take a minute off this one and a minute off that one. Each Kriya has been specifically formulated to achieve a certain goal, let's say. So if you're doing the, the Kriya that works on the, the heart and the lungs, or if you're doing something that's for the kidneys, or if you're doing something that's working on a particular chakra, it's 
extremely important to stay within those guidelines. So yeah, I find that there is structure in a Kundalini yoga class, but like I said, there's just so much, there's so many different Kriyas out there that you could go maybe your whole life and, and never, never do the same one. Sounds a lot like Tai Chi, like you're holding poses with a lot of energy focusing. I don't know, but that's sure what it so sounds like. Um, I've never done any yeah. a, a lot of Kundalini, but I've heard of it, of course. So that's why I was thinking of Tai Chi. Which yeah, is really it's really hard. <laughs> well, I've never done Tai Chi, but there's this other one that's similar to Tai Chi called like Kui, Kui Gong or something. And yeah. I know that some of the Kundalini. Qi Gong. Qigong, yeah. So <laughs> I, I've only heard of it through a girl I did my training with and she teaches that and Kundalini yoga and it's all, again, it works with the energy and it works with, you know, the movement, which is also very important in Kundalini yoga. We do a lot of moving. There's a lot of shaking, especially after you've done uh, meditation or a posture, you know, it's important to get that energy moving that you've just built up because sometimes with our breath, we're holding our breath, we're breathing out, we're breathing rapidly, you know, it creates a lot of energy, it creates a lot of heat. So generally we shake it out just to what get it What do they call that when you shake it out? What is that called when you're in towards the end of the session? Like everybody shake it out. Yes. <laughs> what do you call it? Yeah. Raise your hands and just shake it out. Yeah, hey, I can exactly. feel I can feel the energy. I can oh, feel can the energy, feel right, you know, right. and I love, I love how passionate you are about it. I mean, a question that comes to mind is, was there one particular like aha moment for you along your own personal spiritual journey where, again, I don't like labels, the word enlightenment, people can misconstrue. Um, it's a, it's a big word. So I, I don't like to use that word often, but was there a certain aha moment where the light bulb went off right the lights in the room were turned on i like to say the veil dropped eyes open mind unlocked or your own personal seven chakras activated and properly aligned i mean was there like a certain pinpoint moment or was it just kind of a process and i know maintenance after the fact to where you are today certainly it's a daily practice but how did you get to that next level? How did you get to an elevated state of conscious awareness? I love some of the comments that you've made as you've alluded to conscious awareness versus subconscious mindless living, right? Mm -hmm. Also as it relates to voluntary human behavior versus involuntary physical situations that, that we that we find ourselves in holding our breath you know mm -hmm. uh, clenching our jaw right so just to back it up again if you want to talk about conscious for subconscious and that aha moment for you when mm -hmm. you had a major breakthrough a major shift and most importantly elevated state of conscious awareness okay so for me i almost wish that there was an exact moment where it just all kind of happened in that way but for me it was a very long and gradual painful process of self-awareness which there's 
everybody has a different experience with it. I just feel that for me personally, the sole contract that I signed before coming here was one of having to delve so deeply in everything that I had been through up into a certain point and heal all of that and heal the past trauma. And I also do believe that I signed the contract to come and heal a lot of the generational trauma that has been suffered in you know, generations of family. So if you really delve into that spiritual side and you think about the suffering that your parents or grandparents and those before you, there's generally one person in the line that will go through experiences in their life and then get to a point and they will be responsible, I guess you could say, or they have the strength or the courage to heal all that. So you then stop the repetition of patterns in the future generations. And for me, I know the pivotal point was doing my Kundalini yoga teacher training. Up until then, I was practicing Kundalini yoga for about five years and I was getting a lot of benefits out of it, but I still felt trapped very much in my my ego or my physical or in the physical time space reality if that makes sense so it wasn't that i was egotistical it was the fact that i was very much attached to identity and our identity is basically our ego and so i was very much attached to you know renee the renee the daughter renee the sister renee the makeup artist renee the model you know, Renee, the drinker, Renee, you know, the person, the girl that lives in Bali. It was so many of these uh, identifications that were, that I believed made up who I was, rather than seeing it as a, rather than seeing myself as a, as a spiritual being that was part of a universal plan. And everything that had happened to me up until that point was to get me to exactly where I was going. Because I, oh, why did this happen to me? Or oh, poor me, and I don't deserve this. And you know, my heart's broken, or this happened to me in my childhood, or that person said this to me, or you know, I was a model and they put me down all the time. It's things like this. And I did manage to end up, instead of going within, I was seeking without to, numb or to try and fix this problem and back in the day when I was a model yes a lot of drugs were involved because I was to I was seeking to find that pleasure because I didn't have the feeling of acceptance within and then I did pick up drinking quite a lot it was that numbing because I didn't really believe that I was a part of anything I was so confused with my identification and then when I went into the Kundalini yoga teacher training, that became the, that was my pivotal turning point of me giving up alcohol. And it was 28 full days of me just sitting in my own crap, you know, like <laughs> diving deep, diving very deep. And it was hard. I went into that with a broken heart and I felt like half the time, it, there was white noise going on. I was listening to these, uh, you know, spiritual teachers. We were doing so much yoga. We were doing a lot of meditation. So there was a lot of energy moving. 
And at times it was almost too much for me. We were getting up at four in the morning to start Aquarian Sadhana at 4.30 and then we were in class until, you know, half past six at night. And it was just such an intense, uh, you know, pressure cooker of an experience that that completely changed my life. And it was from after that I incorporated Kundalini as a daily practice. Ever since I finished, I've had a daily practice. And through that daily practice, I was able to continue to shift and move through whatever was going on in my life. So rather than thinking, oh, now I'm a yogi and now I'm spiritual, nothing bad is ever going to happen to me, which is a lovely thought, but it definitely isn't true. You just learn the grace and you have the strength and you have the tools, which is the most important thing. You have the tools to move through it. And so rather than reaching externally for something, you know, going out there and trying to find somebody to love you, to get that acceptance and love, rather than drinking, rather than taking drugs. There's so many other things people do, addictive behaviors. People will, you know, they'll go gambling, they'll have a shopping addiction. But there's so many ways we do things to distract ourselves, which ultimately hurt ourselves and hurt others. When all addiction is, is just a lack from within. So if we can take that time and, you know, sit with ourselves, and sometimes it's, it can be pretty ugly, and people don't want to be self-aware. Being self-aware is is so hard to find now amongst people. I, I find that everybody likes to blame others. You know, they did this to me, they did that, he said that, she said this. I, I'm, I'm not happy with what happens out there. What's most important is that we sit inside and we think, what am I not happy with in here? What is not? What am I not resonating with in my own heart? And that is when we come to the real answers and that's when we can really start to feel that connection. And it's through the self-inquiry that we can gain self-esteem, that we can get self-love. And, and then we are able to have love for others in a more unconditional way, rather than saying, you know, I love this person because what, what can they give me? I love them because they love me or I love him because he buys me flowers. No, it's I love you, what can I give you? And ultimately, if you have two human beings that come together in service of one another, the energy between them raises the global consciousness because it just raises the planetary vibration. It's about what can I do for you? And then you just vibrate and vibrate. But the problem with today's society is, oh, he didn't buy me a diamond or she didn't make my dinner. And so, you know, there's this passive aggressive or there's aggressive anger and blame, there's shame. There's also people live in fear and, oh, I'll do this because I don't want him to leave me. And it's not really listening to the deep meanderings of your own heart. We do things out of service when it comes from the heart, not when it comes from fear. So there's just so much that Kundalini Yoga has changed in my life in terms of gaining perspectives as to what was happening outside. It was really the turmoil that was internal with me. I wanted to ask something. I was thinking about Kundalini and how you explained at the base of the spine is a bunch of stored energy that has to be moved, otherwise it compiles. Why do they talk about how there's a 
uh, a snake coiled up. They refer to a snake being coiled up as uh, imagery of the energy. Uh, why is it? Yeah, a snake? they do use they do use the imagery of a snake. They just it they it said that the in Kundalini Yoga there's the, the Kundalini energy lays dormant at the base of the spine, and then the visualization is actually a snake coiling up the spine. And they do use this imagery a lot, but actually the when the when the energy shoots up the spine it doesn't necessarily coil it's more goes up the central channel in a straight line so in a lot of the meditations that we do there's the visualization of you can visualize it spiraling up the spine but it moves up the spine through the central channel and then it comes up and out and then back down either side of that central channel because we're raising it up and then you're bringing it back in. So that's about like bringing it out into consciousness and then giving back to yourself as well. It's about circulating the energy, not so much projecting it out and having it leave the body. Mm. It's about circulating energy. So well said. Yeah. I love that visual, you know, and the previous topic, your response was so beautifully stated. I want to thank you for getting vulnerable and really pulling the curtain back and opening up with us here at Beyond Coincidence. I mean, that was amazing. And I think we can all relate to some of the experiences that you shared, whether it be an addiction, whether it be substance abuse, whether it be addiction in a different form, mm -hmm. right? Whether it be, like you said, shopping addiction or uh, you name it. There's so many different addictions. My question is, why do we as humans feel so compelled to fill some type of fairy tale void? Like, why do we as humans seek out a crutch to escape our reality when, if we were properly aligned and had the conscious awareness and avoided joy killing comparisons and identifications like identifiers mm -hmm. we would realize that we are perfect just the way we are made in his image right so my question is why do we as humans always search externally to fill some type of void internally right we're all obsessed with external exploration, right? Go Elon, go NASA, whatever. I'm all about internal reflection. And you've said it beautifully. If we as individuals can sit back, slow down, meditate, take control of our emotions, ultimately, taming our mind mm -hmm. to speak love into existence and ultimately act out our emotions and thoughts in a positive manner that influence others in a positive way. If we can just sit back and maybe not even all day, just for one moment in each day, have conscious awareness of our emotions. 
it will permeate throughout the entire globe. I mean, there's 8 billion of us on one rock, not by chance, more interconnected than ever before, right? We, I say this all the time, Chris is gonna roll his eyes, but we could have just as easily been born into 8 billion separate planets side by side without any awareness of our neighbors, without the need for language for that matter, completely self-sufficient and isolated, but that's not the case. Right, 8 billion, almost 8 billion humans on one rock. Therefore, the meaning of life is to love one another. The purpose of life is to figure that out. You mentioned unconditional love. And that's something that I preach all the time, right? Unconditional love, my definition is giving freely without any expectation of reciprocation mm -hmm. unconditional love to give freely without any expectations if you can practice unconditional love for one other human for one minute a day i like to say self-love will take care of itself mm -hmm. so I don't know. I just, I love everything you said with that response. And again, I appreciate you getting vulnerable with us. I appreciate, um, you know, you opening up with us and, you know, again, I know Chris, you know, that's something that we've talked about in past episodes and uh, future episodes that we already have recorded, you know, just filling the void. Why are we as humans so susceptible to addiction and you know, how can we help our listeners, you know, overcome addiction or overcome distractions is another way to look at it. Overcome distractions to get back to the basics, to love one another and to, if nothing else, create a little more peace on earth through an elevated state of consciousness. You talk a lot about ego. I just think ego is, is huge and I think it's interesting. And I know it. you talk about it as being an identifier and we identifying with objects and other things to maybe the subconscious does that. And then all of a sudden we're not aware that we have become that uh, and not seen outside of it. We become our job, we become our relationship and that's, end all be all without stepping outside and kind of being that observer. How would you go into ego as far as being not negative, not positive, but like how we can see it in a positive light, maybe how it's assist us throughout the day. A tool. In a tool, it's definitely yes. A, yes, the ego is definitely a tool because it's, the, the ego is something that teaches us things. And a lot of the time, if we're not delving, delving deeper than the ego, then we can get very trapped in the external perception of ourself. You know, do I have the latest car? Have I got the biggest house? Am I living the greatest life on Instagram? It's almost, the ego is almost like that Instagram life that people post and then they're, you know, but really in the back, they're, you know, crying their eyes out that nobody sees. And I just feel that the ego is definitely here to teach us lessons. And that's why, that's why we need it. And 
Another thing about the reason why people use things to numb out with and there's just that feeling of disconnection and we all want to feel connected. In terms of the ego, we generally try to fill the void of disconnection that we have within ourselves externally. And generally we do that by trying to have the biggest car or the the you know the fastest car or the biggest house or you know the most diamonds in which Louis Vuitton bag we have it's through possession or through um, external sources that people try to find connection and I feel that that's where the ego is the biggest teacher it's you, you learn from you learn from that because you learn where does that need come from why do I feel the need to have these things? You know, if, as soon as you get a handbag, it's it, you feel that high for a few seconds, but then you need to get the next one. Or as soon as you have that drink and then you need to have another one. It's that the ego is all about seeking external for connection and spirituality is all about finding that deep connection within. And I even remember personally, I, I felt that if I could get somebody to love me, then I would be worthy. And that's another big thing in society. Oh, if when I, when I get married, I'll be happy. And then they get married and oh, when we have a baby, we'll be happy. And then when we get, when we move into a bigger house, we'll be happy. Or when he gets the job promotion, we'll be happy. When I have this, I'll be happy, but it's just con consistently, it's never ending rather than sitting with yourself and going deep within and it takes facing so many of your own personal demons and realizing why you have that disconnection and why you have that external need it's all a fantasy anyway we're just living in the reality is non-reality anyway we can't take it with us when we die you can't take that fancy car or that big house with you you know you'll go back to the infinite and what have you really achieved? What you want to come here and achieve is how many people you connected with on a deeper level, like what you brought into humanity, like what did you do? So you've got millions of dollars. Good luck for you, you know, how did right. you use that? That's why there are a lot of people with a lot of money that do a lot of good things. And you know, like, I, I think that's amazing. And money is definitely not an evil thing, you know, used correctly, we can, we can use it as a way to connect one another and we can use it in that way. But if you're using it from solely the ego perspective to show that I have this and I have that rather than, well, I'm going to use this money to be of service, you know, we've come here, ultimately we have come here to be of service to one another in the own, own individual way that each of our soul has been brought here to do whether it's raising awareness or whether it's going through what you've gone through and then sharing your story to maybe being financially stable enough to be able to really help in that way. Everybody has their purpose here if they're willing to sit with themselves and find out what that is. I'm an audience member and I want to take the plunge into meditation and yoga and in, into Kundalini and I want to have it a part of my life why is it so hard for me to get away and like be okay with no longer being myself but i know i'm going to continue to fall back pattern to my subconscious old way you know it's so hard to go 
all the way into the pool. You know what I mean? When it's cold, and just dive all the way in. So like, I'm the kind of guy that's gonna tiptoe tip down that little step, you know, and just take my time because I'm, you know, I, sometimes I'm a wuss, you know, that's me. So I wanna take my time. Kind of sensitive, right? So, um, what do you think about that as far as? What do you think about that? Yeah, so I mean, I tiptoed <laughs> around it for years. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It was some like I never dove headfirst into it to begin with. I started to work with a healer back in 2011, and I was because so much was coming up for me. Even though I was getting so much out of that, it was like energy work and not, it wasn't labeled like it was Reiki, but we were doing a lot of meditating together and things were really shifting for me because it was, we did a bit of regressional therapy where I started to have maybe let's call it epiphanies about things from the past. Yeah. And it was, but once those things reared their ugly head, it didn't mean that I just was like, oh, okay, I've started this spiritual practice and now I'm just going to snap my fingers and do every spiritual thing I can do to clear that. No, like I probably started drinking heavily, more heavily then. You know, it's it's funny. It's Sometimes it's a dance and sometimes it's an up and down. It's a back and forth. It's It doesn't mean that you get on this path and it's a straight and narrow. It's a twisted, turned, very, you know, looping back around and up and down and sideways, you know. It's very, everybody's journey is very different. And I know there are some spiritual teachers out there that talk about having that one moment of epiphany. Like I think Eckhart Tolle says that he completely broke down you know, he was on a park bench and, you know, all of a sudden, boom, it's like the light started flashing around him. For me, my journey was completely different, but it doesn't take anything away from my journey or his journey. It just means that we got to where we are through different avenues. And I feel that my rock bottom would could be different to somebody else's rock bottom. You know, I, I also feel that people get to what we would perceive as rock bottom and that still doesn't give them an epiphany. You know, I I, I mean, I, I feel like there's, I have so many personal experiences and, and through family and, you know, there's addiction that runs in my family and I've, I've seen the ups and downs of, of an addiction in my sister. And, you know, what some people would say that was, was rock bottom, but then unfortunately there's relapses and there's, you know, and so that doesn't mean that her journey isn't meant to go through those ups and downs. It's about how she will then navigate or how you will navigate. And you can jump head first or you can tiptoe around it. So sometimes all it takes is about doing a little meditation online, starting with a pranayama. Maybe you do one a couple of minutes and then that's all you do for the day. And then you might not do anything for a week and then you might think, hey, I'll go to a Kundalini yoga class and I'll get in the group energy. I'll see what it feels like. Oh, I don't really like that. So try something else. And I always say with Kundalini yoga, if you go to a class and you don't resonate with it, continue to give it a go with a different teacher. One teacher that I have really strong connection with or have a powerful experience with the next person might not. That's why there's so many of us around the globe, which I think we all bring something from our own personal space of service. 
So I would have my students that, that would like to practice with me and then somebody else would have theirs. And that's the beautiful thing about life. There is so many different avenues out there and no, there's no set way of a journey. We all do it in our individual way and it's just as powerful for that individual. And there's definitely times where maybe you feel like you're going backwards. I still have days where I, I catch myself having negative thoughts and I think, you know, sit back, be the witness, where's that thought coming from? Why are you having that thought? And realise that these thoughts and emotions are energy in motion. Move it through. Sit down, down. Do a three-minute pranayama. Sit down. Do do a meditation. You know, and it's just coming into that awareness. It's and it's taken me years. I didn't have that uh, light bulb blow up moment. It was it was a long journey for me. And it's a never-ending journey. And. That's you know, I love some of the examples you gave as realistic goals, you know, actionable, small best practices. And just like with anything, I like to say two steps forward, one step back. Something that I've always struggled with is trying to be a perfectionist and everything has to be lined up perfectly. But at the end of the day, you mentioned it, with 8 billion of us on one rock, we all have different perceptions of what perfect may be. And generally speaking, right? The media likes to project and tell us what to wear, tell us who to be like. We so often seek external, whether it be approval or validation from others, when we should really just look inward. So again, I, I loved everything that you shared. One comment that you made that really resonated with me was so many people typically based in comparisons, right? Joy killing comparisons and identifiers, but so many people accept living in a depressed state. So many people say, I will be happy when, right? I will be happy when this area of my life improves. I will be happy when someone else loves me. And that's completely backwards. Right. It sounds cheesy or cliche. You know, our parents told us growing up, happiness is a choice. It truly is. And while on one hand, I respect the journey, life is a journey. It is a process. It's a never ending cycle. I like to say there is no finish line. On the other hand, I also like to really promote and focus on the power of now. Like no thoughts, no worries, drop it like it's hot. Flip the switch right now. Be happy now. Don't compare, don't look outside, turn off the TV, quit swiping, whether you're swiping vertically or horizontally, get off Instagram right now. Real life transpires offline. I like to say, disconnect to reconnect. And just exist for a moment. What a blessing it was to have you on, Juan Shakti. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for holding space with us. Enjoy the rest of your journey.